We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. Today, I have Jake Hefner on from Chargers Unleashed with me. Jake, how are you doing on this very fine draft day? I'm doing good, Alex. I feel like this has been a long time coming between you and I because you and I have our respective shows. You know, we're <laughs> like we're known as like more of like the pessimistic types. So yeah. like, it's time for, you know, Voltron powers <laughs> collide right here. And, yeah. just, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here. This is, this is going to be a good conversation. <laughs> yes. I think Steven and Tyler lean more towards the Dan, you know, positive energy. And then exactly. we're both in the pessimism yes. going, definitely predicting nine and eight at the beginning of the season. That's <laughs> right. Can't, we can't go for 12 and five. That's just too much for <laughs> us at some points. Uh, but we do have to be, Try to be optimistic about the draft tonight. We'll see who the Chargers get at 17. So I guess I'll start with this question. Who do you think will be left on the board for them to select at 17? So who do you think goes, I guess, within those first 16 picks? And who do you think is ultimately left there for them? I mean, I think, again, going back to our pessimistic side, I think we all have to come to the realization that there is a real possibility that Trevor Penning could still be there at 17. And if we're following the tea leaves from everything that we've read from Daniel Popper, if one of the four offensive tackles are still on the board, the belief is that they will take him. But other possibilities, a Trent McDuffie, if he happens to fall, if we go a Zion Johnson, which would be a great retooling of the offensive line. Outside of that, for everybody who's hoping for either the Jordan Davis, the Jamison Williams, the Chris Olaves, I still think you're going to have to have one of those Derwin James type of moments and a lot of luck yeah. and a couple couple missteps from other teams in order for something like that to happen. Yeah, I, th- I think Olave is more possible, I guess, than Jameson and, and Davis. I think those are going to be gone. I think the floor is kind of like 15 for Jameson at this point. Seems like the Eagles are very interested in him. Uh, Jordan Davis, it seems like Baltimore is really interested in him. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, um, I, I think... The Trevor Penning possibility is very real, although there has been some Saints rumors potentially about them taking Trevor Penning, which by all means, go for it. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening down there in New Orleans, and I know Daniel Popper did have uh, Trent McDuffie uh, in his mock draft today, so that'll be interesting to watch as well. You know, he's kind of the kind of corner that Staley likes in general. Um, I guess I would say of the guys that you think will be available between Penning, McDuffie, Olave, even uh, that trio, plus whoever else is left on the board. Uh, who would be your pick there? 
if it was no trade down scenario, I'd have to go mm-hmm. with Zion Johnson. I just think you yeah. put him next to a Rashawn Slater, next to a Corey Lindsley on that side of the line. Even having Matt Filer shift from left guard to right tackle would be a better option than just going the tackle way and drafting a Trevor Penning, in my opinion. Hopefully you get Ode Abushi to come back and, and re-sign and, and stabilize that right guard position. I just think for what he brings to the game, the left side of that line with Zion Johnson there would just be absolutely nasty. Um, and he's got so much upside uh, moving forward from from college to the pros. A lot of say, people say Kenyon Green is still the top guard in this class. I know you guys, as well as me, we, we disagree. We go with the Zion pick in that <laughs> circumstance. But, uh, yeah, I think that that would be a solid pick. It may be a little bit too early in some people's eyes, but honestly, if the Chargers weren't able to find a, tra- uh, a trade partner to go down a, be- a few spots, I think that would be a home run pick for them given what had already gone off the board by that point. Yeah, a month ago, maybe Stevens, you know, really got us all on the Zion Johnson train. I'm like, no, you're crazy. And then, and then it, you know, continue to ramp up. It's like, oh, okay, he's moving up the boards. And suddenly you, you really see him as a plug and play starter. And it doesn't sound crazy at all. You can put him right on that left side, have Ode Ibushi back at right guard. Uh, and then suddenly you're just looking for a tackle option, which you could maybe get in the third round, you know, if you go uh, offensive guard in the first round, which going offensive guard in round one and then offensive tackle in round three would be Stevens. Right. Would be St- Stevens wet dream right there. Uh, <laughs> he, he would love that. Um, but yeah, let's talk about those trade down scenarios, because I know Tom Telesco mentioned trading down quite a lot this week, actually, in his press conferences. Obviously, there's been like the you know, you should go all in for it this year and trade the first round pick next year if you want to move up and go grab an elite talent like a Derek Stingley who Brandon Staley has kind of been in love with or somebody else like that. What do you sort of make of both the trade up and trade down options? Uh, and and which one do you think you might prefer? I mean, I would always prefer the trade down. I've been calling for the trade down for the better part of 20 years now, and I'm still waiting for it to happen. <laughs> so I'm thinking it can, It may end up that this may be the best opportunity that Tom Telesco has to trade down. Um, the only player that I could see them trading up for in that circumstance would be Derek Stingley, but hell, he may be off the board by the time that the Houston Texans right. pick at number three today. True. So, but it was a big statement for the fact that Brandon Staley went all the way to his pro day and you saw the interaction after that. I would be very interested to see what a secondary would look like with JC Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr. and Derek Stingley in the right field. That would just be lethal. But trading down, it just opens up a lot of more options. And especially on day two, and I talked to talk to you a lot about this with, with Dan on the show, but every time that Tom Telesco has made a trade up and he has given away draft capital, especially on day two, and you've been forced to just sit there and wait and wait and wait. And especially when you have teams like the Kansas City Chiefs who have a plethora of draft picks just in the first four rounds alone, and the way that the AFC West has really improved itself as a whole this year, do you really want to give away additional draft capital on day two and just sit there and wait all the way until day three until you make another selection? So to me, if you can trade back and to say – 24, 25, maybe even anywhere just a little bit lower from there. If it nets you a second round pick and you can essentially say on paper that you got Khalil Mack for a six round pick next year, recoup that second. It gives you a lot of more flexibility to what you can do and obviously a lot more opportunities to add some premier players. And on top of that, if you felt like making a trade up, say, Day two, if you wanted to go acquire another second round pick or another third round pick, I could then see Tom Telesco being more aggressive in that circumstance. But at this slate, the way it is right now, the way that the board is predicted to fall, 
right now with no second round pick, I just can't see Tom Telesco pulling that trade up trigger. Yeah, I, I can't see it either. I think it would be different if they had the second round pick and you could kind of fall back on that. Um, but then you wouldn't have Khalil Max. So that's <laughs> that, right. That's kind of the, the trade off there. Um, but yeah, no, I think that the options to kind of trade down there make a lot of sense. I, I saw an interesting one that was kind of the Detroit one, which is a far trade down, but you get 32 and 34 and then kind of, you know, go all the way to 79 on that one. And suddenly you have a lot of draft capital there. Um, I don't know if they'll be willing to trade that far down, but they can kind of do, you know, be on the Patriots side a little bit of that Kenneth Murray trade that they did two years ago, which is, yes. you know, we'll move down a couple spots recoup that second round pick and, and go from there, which I, which I think would make a lot of sense. And if there is a year to do it and all those like, you know, 15 guys that they have first round grades on are off the board, then, you yeah, know, I, I definitely support more, more so trading down this year than trading up just because I think trading up gets very pricey and I'm not leveraging a first next year, you know, getting rid of a cheap five-year rookie contract doesn't seem, exactly. doesn't seem like the move, but yeah. Um, who, you know, I know you and Dan have been doing your top 10 rankings for, for all these positions. Who are some of the sleeper guys that you like on day two, day three, once you start getting maybe into the back half of your top 10 lists? I mean, it's funny because, I mean, especially with you guys, for as, as far as you delve into some of these prospects, like to us, we don't really consider them sleepers. And, and right, all yeah. the real draft aficionados are like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, he's going to go higher than right. the, the original projections. So, I mean, I've always been a Max Mitchell fan. So if the Chargers yeah. do happen to go opposite offensive or, you know, different position out of the offensive line for the first round, maybe they could come back in the third and take Max Mitchell there. Um, Kellen Deitch, I'm very high on him as well, but he's not necessarily considered a sleeper uh tyler goodson out of iowa i really like as a day three prospect especially when we start getting into that running back conversation as far as when we could be selecting another person to spell austin eckler in the backfield makes sense with james foster former iowa coach was his running backs coach there for a couple years before he ended up coming to the Chargers. so i think the familiarity there would be good put up a nice season last year kind of just went under the radar and is uh in my opinion i think he's really good as far as his his running and his pass blocking goes so those are just a couple um i I would probably steer to you guys for a little bit more of the answers because i know you guys have been (laughs) a little bit deeper (laughs) into the research that i have especially when it comes to day three but yeah those are just a couple names to do to start throwing it out there and then again i would actually defer to you on this because we didn't get a chance to get into the tight ends but from what you guys have done and obviously with uh gerald everett coming into play is tight end a day three option and if so who is it yeah i mean i think there are a couple tight ends they could go for on day three i i think they might be looking for someone who's more that steven anderson you know like fullback tight end role kind of guy uh, one interesting guy that we actually did in a mock draft is the brother of Cam Hayward is in this draft. He's from Michigan State, fullback tight end Connor Hayward. Um, so he could sort of be, you know, your little like Steven Anderson replacement. If you're looking for him as like a tight end three, four guy, um, put up a really good senior bowl. So, uh, you know, that's one of those picks that I uh, sort of like and maybe like the sixth round or something like that. I don't think they're going to go tight end early by any means. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, obviously we root for an LA team. A lot of people want Greg Dolchich uh, from UCLA. Steven has him ranked as his number one tight end. Uh, so, you know, that, that would be, I would be surprised if they took tight end that high. Um, but you know, he's, he's kind of the hometown kid in that case. And I do think they actually had a top 30 visit with him or not a top 30 visit, but a local visit of something yes. like that. Um, but yeah, I, I like um, someone like Cole Turner. 
uh, from Nevada. He's kind of like a, a sort of like a wide receiver slash tight end, but I like him as sort of a jump ball guy. Um, more of a receiver than a blocker, but I've said that about really all of the tight ends in this class. They're all, they all kind of struggle with blocking a little bit. Um, but I think if you kind of are looking to develop that receiving option, then that's sort of my guy there. Um, but yeah, I definitely think out of like the day three fullback tight end guys, I think Connor Hayward probably fits the best in terms of what they want. Um, but yeah, what's a position that you think a lot of people aren't talking about that maybe they'll be surprised to see the Chargers pick so early. What's a position maybe people aren't talking about enough? I think that, and this would, this would, I think that this would make Steve happy to hear this, but the Devin Lloyd selection and linebacker mm. because of the void that obviously with Kenneth Murray or yeah, with Kenneth Murray's current injury. And then of course with Kaiser white leaving to Philadelphia I don't see the Chargers going linebacker that early. I really don't, but you have to still consider it as a very small possibility. Who was it, Kuiper, that ended up making him the selection in his mock draft? So that's probably the one that's been talked about the least, but I still think it is a distinct possibility depending on where people are starting to value the the Devin Lloyds and the Kobe Deems of this draft. So I think that's the only one that hasn't been talked about enough as an outside possibility. Yeah, the, the linebacker thing is really interesting. I saw with Mel Kuyper uh, and also there were a bunch of like the PFF guys that, you know, also changed their mock drafts to have Devin Lloyd at uh, eight at 17. So I was just like, what's what's going on here? So I almost wanted to slide into Arjun's DMs and be like, what do you know that I don't? Um, but I, <laughs> I don't think he knows anything quite yet. But yeah, that would be a pick that obviously makes Steven very happy. I know him, yes. him Tyler and Arjun at the, are at the draft right now as we speak. Uh, I, I'd love to see video of his live reaction and them taking Devin Lloyd. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's one that people aren't talking about enough just because of the weaknesses they have there. I just, I do question Tom Telesco dipping, you know, another first round pick in a linebacker so soon, but you know, if your first investment didn't work, try and try again, uh, I guess, you know, when it comes philosophy to apparently. <laughs> I suppose so, um, well, before we talk about linebacker, I, I guess while we get to that, what do you think of the linebacker room that they have right now in terms of Kenneth Murray and these other guys? If they are to add a Devin Lloyd in there, what does that mean for kind of Kenneth Murray and how you see this group panning out this year? Man, I, I really don't know what that means if they were to invest that high in Devin Lloyd and what that would mean for Kenneth Murray. Because to me, I know we all had our theories about it as far as why Kaiser White is no longer in this locker room. Right. I still felt it's a little bit of both. We talked, we've both talked about ad nauseum that Staley doesn't value linebackers that much mm-hmm. in his defense. That's been a historic fact. But I also think from the standpoint of Telesco to say that you invested enough in this guy that you traded back up in the first round to select him, to solidify your choosing of him. Was that also not part of the reason why Kaiser White was essentially expendable, even, even at the, the, the contract rate that he ended up getting. So if you take a Devin Lloyd here, yeah, what does that mean? Does it, does it mean that Tom Telesco may finally have to admit a little bit of defeat on the Kenneth Murray selection? Who knows? To mix him into that locker room with Eamon um, Ogmanigma, who I, obviously I've heard from you guys that they're very high on, so that's encouraging for him. Not sure how that's really going to pan out. And then you have a Nick Neiman on top of that. You brought in Troy Reader from the Rams to try and solidify some of that depth. But it may just have to be another situation where – the Chargers just 
if they're able to build a solid defense and if linebacker is their weakest link to have it mirror what Brandon Staley did with the Rams back in 2020 when he was coaching that defense, you may be able to get away with that. I just don't know <laughs> if they would be able to do that. You're essentially one year away from pulling a Matt Millen at the linebacker position, but yeah. going two out of the three if you went that direction. I just can't see it happening. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Obviously, Troy Reader was part of that former Brandon Staley defense, and Troy Reader is also part of that Rams Super Bowl team. Um, <laughs> that NFC Championship game was fun to watch with Troy Reader, uh, and by fun I mean not fun. He he got torched in that game, yes. they, but they survived. They got past the Niners, yeah, uh, and and then won the Super Bowl, of course. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think Staley and the Rams' philosophy as a whole was, you know, we don't value linebackers, so you know we're not going to quite put a premium on that. Um, I, I am curious, one of the names you didn't mention was Drew Tranquil. So I'm curious to see kind of what their role for him is. Is he sort of just going to be coverage, maybe blitz package kind of guy if mm-hmm. he is? Or is he going to be like a true linebacker too? Depends how high they are on Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga and all these other guys. Um, but we, I think going into like 2019, 2020, it was like, all right, here comes the Drew Tranquil star term, particularly in 2020. And then first game of the season, he gets injured and just it hasn't quite been the same since in terms of that potential. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what they invest in the linebackers, particularly exactly. in the draft and, and them taking one at 17 would be <laughs> quite the signal to send tonight. Yes. Um, all right. So we've talked about what you want at 17 and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Now make your prediction of what happens. I tell you, if, if pick, if we're at pick 13, if Houston's on the clock, and Trevor Penning has not come off the clock yet. The perspiration will definitely start <laughs> to seep through the pores. That's for sure. Um, so again, we still have to consider that a realistic possibility. If it was me, the hope would be, you know, Trent McDuffie's stock seems to be really skyrocketing right now. Some people think that he could be picked anywhere around Minnesota at 12. I think that would be an ideal value. I just think that he's just one of the safest and most solidest players that you could select in this draft and in Staley system. I think that he would be a great addition in that circumstance. I think it would have to be a toss up between Trent and Zion Johnson, honestly, for what I think has the best possibility of being there at 17 for the selection. Yeah, I, we were talking about this last night and Tyler and Steven both kind of went the optimistic direction and they were like, yep, it's going to be Trey McDuffie. I'm like, sign me up. But I think it's going to be Trevor Penning. Um, and I, I, I do still think it deep in my heart. Um, maybe that's just the pessimist in me. But let's talk about Trevor Penning a little bit. I know that there's obviously a lot of pessimism in the Chargers community about him there's some you know people that are optimistic and are like hey look everyone said Justin Herbert wouldn't pan out that he did you know what's to say the same can't happen for Penning uh what are your thoughts on Trevor Penning as a prospect and and sort of what what would your immediate reaction be if he was kind of taken here immediate reaction may be something I'm not able to say (laughs) But I mean, everything from measurement standpoint, physicality standpoint, even from an athletic guy that big, he checks all those boxes. I totally get it. And if some people are making the argument to say, oh, you know, well, he's not going to be playing left tackle. You move him over to right. He's going to have a lot more success. You know, is that possible? Absolutely. But just from a technician standpoint, is the is is he going to be able to keep his emotions in check? I mean, 
what was it, five personal foul calls that he had just had in this last college year alone. I think it was 16 penalties through 12 games. I mean, that's is it something that can be cleaned up? Sure. But is it if you're drafting at 17 to expect to have an impact player that's going to come in on day one and be able to make a huge impact for you? I just don't see the value of Trevor Penning being there. Now, if the Chargers traded back and you saw another six teams pass on Trevor Penning, I may be able to stomach that selection a little bit more if that's the case. But at 17, uh, I just cannot see that value equating to Trevor Penning there. Yeah, uh, I I can't really see it equated to Trevor Penning either. But uh, I know there's, you know, the mock drafts are all over the place. There's been some Trevor Penning. There's been some Trey McDuffie. There's been some Olave uh, recently. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was anyone. But I just, I I'm curious to see if they have anything lined up. Obviously, after the draft as well, could there be like a stopgap option, like a Riley Rife or, or something like that? If that's possible, then maybe you don't go Trevor Penning and you kind of wait. But just based on how Telesco's drafted for need the last two years, you know, in particular, I, I kind of see him going there, but I, I have no idea if he's on the Chargers board or not, or if they're very high on him. Um, and yeah, no. So, all right. And let's see what else we got here. Uh, round three, round four, round five. Give me, give me a couple prospects you like for the Chargers there. Round three. So let's say if they decided to go, linebacker in that type of scenario if for some reason that chad mumo was still on the board he probably won't be but damn that would be a dream um god round four see this is where this is where people have started to tease the running back conversation even some people have teased it in round three and i just don't see it being that higher priority especially if you're only keeping uh your first round pick and your third round pick i can't see that uh going any higher than day three but there's a plethora of running backs. I mean, basically just take your pick. I mean, for anybody that you're saying to come in and take and spell uh, Austin Eckler, whether it's Jerome Ford. Um, uh, gosh, I was just actually losing the guy's name, but the other one that I had mentioned, Tyler Goodson, there was uh, Damian Pierce. I still think if you choose to go for him in round four, he may end up being off the board already. I think he's, his draft stock has elevated quite a bit. And then I'm trying to think of positions that they may double dip on. So mm. if you do go, if you do go offensive lineman, I could see them actually doing two just from a depth yeah. standpoint. Um, defensively, if you miss out on a Trent McDuffie in round one, I could see that as a conversation because corner is also sneaky deep in this draft. So day three could be another target for them there. Uh, other options in, in round three, obviously maybe a Zion McCollum is there in round three. Um, oh God, I'm totally just blanking on some of the names today. I apologize. Um, but yeah, certain positions to double down on, I could definitely see um, corner and offensive line being the ones that they would do there, if not defensive line on top of everything, of course. Yeah, or they could even go if they wanted to go in like a safety corner hybrid direction, right? Daxton Hill's kind of there, yes. uh, you know, in the first round in theory, and then maybe you go get a you know pure corner later in that sort of Michael Davis role. I think that would kind of be possible. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think double dipping is, is more likely than they, th- than people think, especially because they have 10 picks. Um, I do hope they go running back on day three, just because I, I do think that they better some juice. Yeah. Um, I can't put myself through another season of Larry Roundtree and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, Joshua Kelly. <laughs> I, that would be tough for me to watch, but, uh, I love Jerome Ford. He's my running back one personally. 
Uh, I know when we did the show originally, Tyler actually had him as his running back four team. Uh, he's he's corrected that and he put him at running back seven now. So ah, okay. It. He's he's moved him up a little bit. Uh, I'll just but, talk yeah. about that for a second because I know you guys always look for the connections, obviously, as it relates mm-hmm. to Staley style coaching, everything like that. And I apologize, I had said James Foster earlier on in the show, but Derek Foster, Coach right, Foster. Right. Uh, do you? What are the ones? I mean, obviously you're you're high on Ford, but I mean, any other ones that you guys have talked about that you just think, just as far as the fit goes of the the scheme that they want to run, that is just it would be seamless, flawless, good fit for running backs. Uh, I'm not. Quite quite sure if there's like an obvious fit obviously there's the, the the goodson one um you know from iowa other than that i don't know if there's any clear-cut ones the big coaching connections like prospect of this you know kind of like experience has been like trent mcduffie just because i think you how he fits in staley scheme how he can kind of move around like take that chris harris role immediately just do whatever he wants to on the field um, I, I think that would kind of fit there. And I know I'm not quite sure off the top of my head what the coaching connections were, uh, but I know there were some there for him. So I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, so, yeah. And obviously like uh, someone like Chris Olave has like the local connections down here a little bit uh, was originally from San Diego. I think something like that. So that yep. could always be a possibility. Um, but yeah, the, the connections always do run deep in the draft and suddenly you're talking in the seventh round and you're like, Oh, this guy actually went to Brandon Staley's daughter's dance recital. Like that's where you end up. So, you know, you can't, you can't go too far without psyching yourself out. Um, but thanks man, Jake, I I appreciate you coming on. I hope you have a, a good draft day. Any, any final thoughts you'd like to leave the audience off with? I mean, hopefully we'll come back here tomorrow and we'll say the chargers got a home run in round one. Um, Regardless of whether they're selecting at 17, regardless of they're trading down and still hitting a home run, let's just hope that we come back with a positive attitude tomorrow. We can get into day two and get on with the rest of this draft weekend. All right. Yep. Have fun at your draft party, Jake. And I'll talk to you guys later tonight during the draft right. stream. So thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.